welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Access Access All Areas, episode 145, the podcast that aims to dive deep into all things great about this band in excess doing it with friends and family and people obviously who are patrons and people like B who are my compadre. I said family then, didn't I? But we're all a family. Yeah, we are. We are. We're all an inaccessible community. We're a family. We're excited to get back because we sort of really had two weeks of no recording uh, between Easter and you on the road touring with uh, a very valued patron, uh, David Gaunt, who's in Australia. Hello, David, and his lovely wife. Yes, that's Michaela. So hello yes. to Michaela. Yep. Well, you mentioned family there. You actually have got a family, little kid in the office well, with school, you. Is that school correct? Holidays, school mm-hmm. holidays. So uh, the kids are on devices listening to the back catalogue of Welcome to Wherever You Are. So uh, <laughs> uh, they're uh, getting, getting, getting uh, indoctrinated into a life of in excess and um, that's right. keeping daddy free to do the podcast. So, yeah, that's Good where we are. <laughs> How are you, B? I'm going to come straight off the bat. How's your in excess Easter been? Mm, uh, yeah. you've, you've been on the road, and I think kudos to you, just for those who don't know. Uh, B did go on tour with David and sort of tour all around the in excess um, landmarks of Sydney. Yeah, it's a pretty epic journey. Went down to see David and his beautiful wife, Michaela. Now, this is um, a celebration for his 50th birthday. Mm. And, and what what um, a wonderful thing. He's never been to Australia before. So they were literally right off the boat <laughs> in mm. a way and stepped into the car. And yeah, we went and did, um, we went saw um, Michael's memorial first, which Sydney turned it on. It was beautiful. I let them have their moment. I didn't yep. go with them. Um, and then, yeah, then we went to where we went to see Michael's, um, where he was christened and the Farris house. We met a lovely man called Peter Webb, who was the next door neighbour. Right. Who actually helped build the um, Farris Brothers um, swimming pool. It right. was quite fun, actually. It was nice right. him, hearing some fun stories from him. Yeah. Um, where else? Oh, and then we... Um, Took a bit of a sneaky beak around um, the beaches and we went to the factory, Clemo's factory. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just loads of things. And we swapped loads of stories and such gorgeous people. And we ended up in Bondi and saw (laughs) my mate Kev. Hello, Kev, mate. You were an absolute star. He took us out in the evening. And the Stay Young Clontarf, did you go there? Oh, yeah. We went there as well. Yeah, that was pretty special. But we went to um, a great bar um well lots of bars actually <laughs> too many bars I won't yeah. tell you about the next day but we went to a great pizza place um it's very new york style pizza i don't know if you've mm. ever been to new york and mm. it's called Mike's get a slice pizza. get a buy a big slice no it's massive pizzas oh. like yeah. but to die for and this guy uh, Mikey knows another guy who's got who's very much into in excess there was a huge amount of in excess memorabilia and music being played so I mean that was just top absolute top so Mikey's Pizza in um, Bondi there's a bit of a plug for you guys but yeah de- definitely go I think I've got a little bit of a thing here what do you reckon I could do this as a sideline <laughs> NXS Tools Incorporated by uh, B, etc. There, but uh, but yeah, look like I had a great time, and uh, I do believe David's landed in Melbourne as we speak. And uh, I've tr- you know I'm trying to find a way of one upping you, and I I don't know if I can pull pull the, that particular uh, task off, but I'm going to see if I can. But I did love the little photo uh, that I think uh, Michaela took of Dave uh, flicking through. Um, 
vinyl in a indie yes. sort of uh, <laughs> record store and she was like, oh, yeah, while I'm waiting, you know, and then he's flicking away and I'm thinking <laughs> that, that's that's what I'd be like if I was in England doing what he was doing in Australia. So, mm. um, But uh, kudos to you, well done to you and um, I guess... Oh, uh, and he got to see Richard Simpkins and showed him his tattoo that he had done from the book. Yeah, how cool is that? Richard mm. ironically posted that himself and uh, that was uh, awesome too. And, yes. Um, Speaking, uh, uh, I guess, of Easter, et cetera, there, uh, just before we went to Easter break, we did do a pretty cool episode with uh, Michael Browning from uh, ACDC and In Excess uh, fame in terms of the early stages of managing those bands and their recordings and, uh, you know, they were sent into the UK and the US. So uh, thanks to all the people who've listened to that podcast and come back. I, I did chat to Michael yesterday and uh, he, he he was really happy the way it was put together. But he liked your editing. I think he played it to a lot of friends and family. You know, I think he's a humble guy. I don't think a lot of people always realise just, you know, the depth and achievements in his career. So um, I'm glad that he loved it too. So thank you, Michael, for participating. And there may be some more things we, we look to do together in the future. So, uh, again, yeah, Michael was a, was a great guest. Yeah, I got I got that um, feeling um, from him when he said, you know, he he wasn't really a, a businessman in that big world, and he'd done his bit. He got the band together to a point, and he just said, okay, you you go ahead now. You you mm. do the big world stage. Yeah, mm. nice guy, really nice. Now, B, we are only about two and a half weeks away from an anniversary, which is our third birthday. And uh, uh, we thought we, I think we had a discussion about this. Um, uh, if not, I'm making an executive decision. But, uh, well, I've uh, got an idea as well. So this might be a bit fluid on here today. Well, we thought, didn't we think that, you know, it's it's probably been a busy, busy time to sort of coordinate everything together like last year. But uh, we thought we would do try to do some sort of international Zoom uh, hookup with uh, maybe, uh, I won't say our top 10 patrons, but, you know, top. 10 sort of real contributors um, to the podcast over time. We're going to send an invite out to you, those who've uh, made our, our podcast really, really worthwhile. And uh, again, we can take bribes and add a couple of more things on there, <laughs> uh, a couple more people on there. But we'd like to maybe have a glass of champagne around the world with a, a bunch of people at different mm-hmm. times, uh, at different times and things like that. Uh, so it might be 4am at some time around the world, which could be champagne time for some, B. Uh, yeah. and maybe maybe 9 in the morning could be champagne t- time for some there. Uh, we thought we might do an international Zoom hookup call for 10 or 12 people who we value and who valued us and do a bit of a, a look back, a little bit of a, a retrospective back on some of the episodes and just really a, a chit-chat together amongst real in excess fan. Uh, we're just putting that out because it's about three weeks away, B. Now, I know you got your hand up. You are invited. Yes, you are. Well, I have actually booked a hotel just for me in right. the city, in Sydney. So if anybody wants to come along and join me, I'm going to have a few champagnes there. I'll take the computer down okay mm-hmm. i'm thinking um and might do something live from the hotel room that sounds good um yeah. so yeah so that's uh we're talking around sort of the first weekend in may roughly i think uh at, at that particular point 8th of may, 8th of may. my birthday mm. which is mother's day as well <laughs> oh right well maybe that's the recovery day oh and it's marco pitts's birthday too Jeez, it comes around very fast. He's yeah. actually he's he's born on our and isn't that ironic? He's he's actually his birthday oh. is our birthday, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which marks in Melbourne this week? So hint, hint. I won't say mo- not much more at the moment, but uh, hopefully, hopefully, Mark plays a role this week. Please, anything else come across your desk in your in excess fortnight? Well, we did a little thing, didn't we? We did a little video and we put a little thing out last Easter. week, just very. For everything, and yes. um, we did a draw. So um, all those are you should be um, on your way. Well, you might have even got them by now. So um, congratulations to not Michael. I read that out wrong again. I'm not very good at reading out. Am I? 
Michelle. I even got the gender wrong. So it was yeah. Michelle Johnson. And I do believe she was giving it onto a friend. So I hope you got it in time. So that was wonderful. And Matthew Kavanagh, um, he won our other draw for the mixtape. I hope yeah. everyone, have you listened to it yet? The mixtape? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. You don't. I know, I know, I know. But uh, you do realise I'm coming off the bench after a bad influenza. I always get sick around this time of year, remember? We always get sick around that birthday. You do, actually. So, yeah, you must be like, allergic. Like clockwork. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so Manny Kavanagh, he won the Don't Let Lose Your Hair tool book, mm-hmm. which was signed. No, no, the right. other way around. Michelle won the um, tour book. Right. Yeah, and okay. Matty won the mixtape. Mixtape, right. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, we love giving away stuff and people winning stuff as well. So kudos to you. And? Uh, yes. And? Yeah. So that means you've got oh, to listen yes. to the end of the well, show. Well, listen to well. the end of the show because we yes. have another item that is going to be uh, very, very well regarded and received. So uh, we're not going to launch Welcomed it today. Welcomed even. Well, it's going to be very welcome. There's been a welcoming <laughs> theme so far. But uh, we'll announce the end of the show, and it might have something to do with signatures as well. So hang tight mm-hmm. because there's another, um, I guess, auction item. Not so mm-hmm. much a raffle, but an auction item, this one. And uh, we'll let you know at the end of the show. But, uh, B, uh, we're pretty excited because uh, annual format, we get straight into the next thing, which is... Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And now it's time for Topic of the Week. Here we go. And finally tonight, it was back to a familiar sort of atmosphere for globe-trotting Australian band In Excess. They'll be playing pubs and clubs like this across Australia and then in the United States, Britain and Europe. In Excess has started its tour in Perth because it was here the band was formed about 14 years ago. They'll be playing two more shows in Fremantle before heading on to Adelaide. Well, it's uh, 30 years ago, uh, really in this last sort of week or two, where in excess, as they probably have said, and particularly I think Andrew said to a, to a degree at the time, probably just burst their own bubble by not doing the big world tour after the recording of uh, of Welcome, uh, not deciding to sort of play the record company game and do big stadium tours and be on the road for 18 months and uh, probably sort of put a lens on their career where they thought, well, you know, the amount of albums we've got out and the amount of years we've been together is sort of widening. So they wanted to close that gap, so to speak, and hence, you know, went into the recording studio, made welcome to wherever you are, uh, did a couple of little sort of small Aussie pub club uni type sort of tours. Thing called well, I think it was called Get Out of the House tour, uh, particularly also overseas. They did a, a little European sojourn, but didn't go anywhere near the lengths that they would have historically done off X and say Kick and Listen Like Thieves, where they're on the road for a year doing massive venues, massive press. The rock group in excess is calling on its fans to get out of the house. The Australian band has just kicked off a 10-city tour of North America. Big difference with this one, no stadiums, just small clubs and theatres. The way lead singer Michael Hutchins likes it. We wanted to go and do something like a pub tour like we used to do a long time ago. That's our roots, where we came from. The pub tour came about when the band had too much fun playing the small Australian clubs where they got their start. Hutchins is promising the shows will be pure energy. It's real. It's, you, can, you can get sweated on, you know? You can smell it. 
this topic is a is a little bit of a credit to our listener audience and also the wider NXS community because um, they reminded us, I guess, especially through Twitter and our platforms and Instagram uh, about this tour in this particular period in the last week or two. So uh, it did inspire me to think, well, yeah, this is an important part. Um, we are to a certain degree, you know, going backwards a fraction from uh, you know our timeline where we are sort of doing 1997 with uh, Alan Lee Waster, but because it is a 30 year anniversary since this club pub and uni tour i think it's an important sort of narrative to discuss um you know why they do this tour where were the band at um you know what did it do in terms of commercial aspirations for those behind the scenes i happened to attend uh, some of these shows at the time and they were right in the wheelhouse of my sort of passion for the band and uh, i guess i've got a bit of first-hand sort of experience to share but um, again, it was a sort of a time where they went against the normal grain of what bands were expected to do be. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing this because we did a great post and we had some good interactions with people. So hopefully we can talk about those as, as well later. Yeah. So I believe this tour started in Perth where it all began for the boys, really. Yeah, yeah. so a little bit of a backdrop. If you actually just think about the, the recording in Australia, um, they'd done the X Factor tour here in sort of 91, sort of by sort of mid-year, that sort of tour. And then they'd gone to Europe and done another leg of the X Factor tour and, and gone into sort of Wembley, et cetera. But then when you think about it, they only did the Concert for Life, which we discussed previously in 1992, obviously made Welcome. And as we remember, when Michael came down to do the Concert for Life, they were still sort of mixing Welcome with uh, with Andrew and with uh, Mark in Sydney uh, at Rhinoceros. But the rest of 92, they really didn't do much record, uh, much uh, touring. And then when this album sort of came out, come April, yeah, 93, they started off, I think, at Metropolis uh, Nightclub in Perth, which, uh, again, when you think about it, like uh, uh, any any small number of bands or indie bands would probably play a venue like that. But a band like In Excess to choose to do that uh, was a bit of a, a juggernaut suddenly trying to be squeezed into this little tiny venue. But... Uh, I remember some quotes at the time, and I'm just probably speaking sort of top of my head, but I remember Michael and the band saying, we forgot, forgot what it was like to smell each other on stage. You That's know? right, and, yes. You know, being near each other and, um, you know, at these big stadium events. Um, you know, I think with X and Wembley, they'd sort of climbed that mountain and then they'd done the concert of the life. And I thought, well, you know, there's this sort of point in a career where a band does get two-thirds through their career and go, okay, what does it all mean? We have to be part of that sort of uh, machine, album tour, album tour, you know, album tour type sort of cycle and be on the road for three years and recording. And and they wanted to jump off, I, I guess, the conveyor belt. Um, so when they did go into uh, playing in Metropolis in Perth, it was really sort of uh, not a commercial exercise. It was like, okay, well, let's just get down and dirty and let's road test some songs. But not only on Welcome, you know, which had been out for, you know, the better part of six months, they had, you know, a lot of the uh, Full Moon Dirty Heart songs that they were still recording at the time and they road tested it. So um, I'm going to go through a little bit later, B, um, just uh, the, the set list from that Metropolis gig. Um, I'm also going to do a, a set list in the UK um, around July because um, people in the UK got a chance to sort of benefit from this gig, uh, whereas uh, I believe those in America and Canada had to wait till Full Moon was out later in the year. Uh, to go and enjoy some of those songs, et cetera, there. So a little bit of further backdrop there. The band, you know, uh, the, I don't know if you know the Beatles beat, they didn't play a concert after 1966. Did you know that? No, I know, yeah. Yeah, so they went from really what you would call a, a band recording touring entity to this sort of total recording entity. Okay. Um, 
And I guess for NXS during this particular period, you know, we talked about the Welcome and the Full Moon albums being created together. Uh, it was such a sort of a creative time, as Mark had said on our previous podcast, but it was their decision, and I'm sure it wasn't the label, uh, or even Mark. I know Mark was a bit disappointed they didn't tour America on Welcome, and he probably wanted to sort of see the commercial uh, gains of that tour as well, um, naturally speaking, because they would have had the Welcome songs, the Full Moon songs eventually, and, and then obviously their past catalog. But look, they chose to sort of said um, not tour as much and only do this sort of tiny small clubs tour. But the the cliche at the time, the media narrative, I remember coming out was, you know, typically as that sort of pushback came, was some of the media were like, oh, they can't afford to sell out these other venues. And, mm-hmm. you know, it couldn't have been further from the truth. I mean, if you do shrink yourself, eventually you are in danger of eventually continually shrinking yourself because people think, oh, they must have shrunk because you've chosen small venues. Well, no, they chose to shrink the venues because of the nature of what they've done. They wanted to go back to play something smaller and more intimate. When you're as huge as in excess, I wondered if you always get your own way or if there was anyone brave enough to put the foot down and say no. <laughs> I can't believe the question. Sorry, no. <laughs> no, we're cheating for our own boots, really. Um, we, we definitely call the shots. You know? We've never, ever been in the situation where we've sort of allowed that to to happen. Um, I mean, you know, sure, when we first decided to do this tour, there was a, a number of people who showed obvious concern about, you know, uh, people like accountants and uh, managers and, you know, record companies and that would sort of want, want you to perpetuate the, you know, the enormous sort of band thing, you know, but really we weren't too interested in that, you know, we really wanted to... Uh, we want to try and dispel all the myths, you know, go against the grain and uh, live a little. Venues, obviously, that they did choose throughout that tour, not only included, said, you know, nightclubs, but they, they played at a, a place in Melbourne called the, the Palace, which is next to the Palais, um, and that was the first concert I happened to see on this particular tour. Uh, a couple of nights later, they played at Melbourne Uni, uh, and all of us camped out overnight, Bee, uh, on the steps of the hall at Melbourne Uni to get front row the next night. I heard that people were actually camping out just to get tickets, and the yeah. tickets were only released, like, a few days before where they were going to be at the venue. It was, so, very, much, it was yeah. very much like Prince. Hardcore fans. It was very much like Prince, you know. Um, he would announce something and suddenly, you know, four weeks later he'd be playing. So it was very spontaneous. Uh, then the third night that I went to was at uh, at Monash Uni over in Caulfield here in Melbourne, and uh, that was a full-on concert. I remember that being, being quite, uh, you know. Wasn't you <laughs> moving the, the actual stage? Was that where that concert? That was, a, that was a Melbourne Uni. The, the actual stage was being pushed forward uh, yeah. to the point where it was moving. We were literally pushing the stage uh, backwards towards the wall. So that was uh, interesting. Uh, and John kept playing, etc. there. And then at Melbourne Uni, people were punching each other and, and jumping on each other. It was around about the height of grunge and slam dancing and things like that. So, so that was uh, that was full on. But uh, um, I think uh, what's exciting, B, is uh, this particular uh, set list uh, I've got in front of me here. So can I share that with you, what they played? Yes, please so, do. Uh, at the very first concert um, that uh, they played on this tour, um, what song would you think would be a good opening song to sort of start off and play? Isn't it Communication? Okay. All right. 
Okay, you're sneaking ahead and seeing my set list. But I was just seeing no, what song. No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, that's really? I, yeah, I, I thought that's what uh, it was. Okay. All right. Well, you actually right. So, what well to you. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. But interestingly, like, as a when we went to the gig, like, we didn't know what they were going to play. If you just think back to this and thing. you wouldn't have known well, that song, yeah. Well, no, we did because Welcome had been out for six months. So, we didn't oh, know. Oh, right. Okay. But we thought, oh, you know, In Excess Concert, Heaven Sin or something like that off the album. But they came out with uh, Communication First. And we were thinking, okay, this is pretty cool. They came out with Days of Rust, which was uh, the second song. So, um, and look, we had no idea what it was. So you're standing in the audience thinking, okay, this is pretty cool. And I don't know this track. And we look at each other going, wow, they're playing a new song. Wow. Thank God. Wow. Great. A new song being played. you know they bring out play the next song and uh, uh michael introduces it's called the gift wow yeah and then we hadn't heard that before and then uh the night of that recording they went off to make the gift film clip in port melbourne right so of course we drove around that night around the suburbs trying to find the film clip being made and things mm-hmm. only to realize that uh when we saw the making of the film clip years and years later a lot of it was in daytime so i think they might have made it before the concert that night oh yeah. <laughs> <Tiki. laughs> So then we're like, okay, three songs in, okay, two new songs off the track. I'll probably they'll they'll bow to a uh, a song that we know. No, they then come in and play their fourth song, which is "Make Your Peace." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're we're a lot of hardcore fans, and we're thinking this is fantastic. And you know, a lot of the crowd were jumping up and down and things. Then a bit of sanity restored, where they came out and played the love one, which is fifth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thought, okay, that's fine. Then they've gone into another new song called "Cut Your Roses Down," which uh, happened to be made in the same suburb that clip. Richard Lowenstein uh, yeah. in that uh, at the George Hotel around the corner from the uh, the palace. Oh, I did, and I thank you very much. I, d- I wondered where that was. I did film that in Melbourne at the George yes. uh, Hotel Cafe Cinema in uh, just off Fitzroy Street yeah. uh, in St Kilda. They then came out and played Taste It, which we knew. They then went into Need You Tonight, then Mediate, of course. And then we're thinking uh, this will be um, you know regular songs and things like that. Then they've suddenly pulled out Full Moon Dirty Hearts. Yeah. Okay. And we're thinking, this is pretty cool. And Michael said, this is going to probably be the name of the album coming out. Mm-hmm. So we're like, this is good. Then they've gone into Please You've Got That. Please you've got that. 
songs are one, two, three, four, five, six of the first 11 songs wow. off an album yeah. you haven't even heard before and Communication, album track, Love One, a cover and Taste It, one of the singles and Need You Tonight, a single. So a pretty alternative start to a concert. Very different, isn't it? Yes. After that, okay, the crowd started getting into it even more because all the ones who didn't know the, well, all the ones that were wanting the hit, suddenly uh, Suicide Blonde came on next, uh, which was number 12. Uh, send a message 13, all around 14, uh, what you need 15, uh, devil inside 16, and then heaven sent 17, of which uh, that time they uh, had a bit of an encore. I think during that encore, Michael might have passed me the fruit bowl, that uh, <laughs> the famous fruit bowl of the gig, which uh, is now a proud owner by Lockie, good friend of the podcast and a, uh, a Facebook stalker for Hayden, uh, which is fine. Uh, we love Lockie, okay? And uh, we've got the encore came out. We had the song Time, which we thought was called it was a, It's Only Time because uh-huh. we, just, we thought, ah, oh, the chorus, that's pretty cool. The chorus is It's Only Time. In fact, I think we got the set list off the stage and it had It's Only Time. Oh, yeah, that's go. why we, till the album came, we thought that's what the song was going to be called, but it, um, they probably hadn't sort of shortened it to time yet. Mm. Uh, then they played Kick uh, and then they played Don't Change uh, to round out 20 songs there. If we did a little bit of a pie, and one of the things which you can break down, they effectively, you know, we break it all down, they played seven off Full Moon, four off Kick, four off Welcome, one off Listen Like These, one off Shabu, one off The Swing, uh, one off X and one off, and one cover. So... Um, a real sort of uh, potpourri of, of songs there, but very, uh, you know, 11 songs off the, t- off the two sort of uh, incumbent albums, uh, be it Welcome and Full Moon. Gary Crowley and Michael Hutchins from In Excess blowing the froth there off a few jars. It's always nice to meet a fellow sex god. Welcome to the programme. Um, well, thank you. Now, you're over here at the moment doing, um, well, the tour's been described as like a world pub tour. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's it been like to sort of like see the whites of your fans' eyes again, you know, to mm. be in such close, sweaty proximity? Uh, it's um, it's really it's really great. Well, we're, we're enjoying it more than we thought we would, you know, usually by this stage. We're three months in the tour and we're starting to rev up now, you know, so it's great. I mean, you know, the last few times that you've been over to this country it's been sort of stadium gigs I mean yeah. what's the thinking behind sort of going back to small places um, well we're between albums and we've always wanted to do something like this so we thought now's the time you know we can just zip around we haven't toured for a long time you know, in the normal gigs so um, so now's the, you know, now's the time to do it run around the world and say hi we're alive and we've got an album coming out in September and stuff and 
Does this remind you a little bit of uh, your early days? Because that's how Very Excess much. started it out, is. didn't it? it? Is you know, checking days. across Australia and just playing pubs, really. Yeah. Does yeah, it make you feel nostalgic for those days? Yeah, we played uh, like 20 shows in Australia that we played about eight years ago, you know? So, sure. And, and you know, town and country and or the forum and whatever. Um, so yeah, it's great. Same old graffiti and same old problems, you know. It's good. I mean, I understand that the um, security is at a minimum at a lot of these uh, yeah. concerts. Has there been any scary moments so far? Oh yeah, here and there. Nothing too bad. I mean, you know, it's usually my fault. So what sort I jump of things in the audience or something. You know. About it. We, we had a problem in LA, but that wasn't exactly, that was a bigger show, but where they just swamp you and they end up, you have people falling on each other and <laughs> it becomes like lemmings, you know. But I mean, what fun. happens when I'm you kind of sort of jump scars, out? You know? What happens when you jump out into the crowd like that? I mean, you know, does everybody They're supposed hands? to throw you, hold you up and throw you back. You know? Occasionally the they don't, yeah. Occasionally they just pummel you. I was going to say, do people's hands kind of tend to sort of like go walkabout all over your body? Yeah, Is that something that you enjoy? Oh, immensely. Mm. Mm. Well, nice work if you can get it. <laughs> if you can get it, yeah. Virtually the same set list uh, that I'm looking down here, but they played uh, The Messenger over there, I think, uh, and they might have played one other song there as well, but they played 21 songs there. Now, that gig, for some people, we'd love to know if you were there, was on that Get Out of the House tour, uh, July 15, 1993, at the Forum in London. Do you know the Forum venue in London, Boo? I do, yes. Yeah, yeah. Good, Have you been, venue. been, been yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what I've seen. I think yeah. it was Pulp, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So do you remember, it's probably a small venue as per, per purview of these concerts and things like that. But uh, uh, again, if you people are lucky enough to go to that gig, we'd love to hear from you. And we know we have a reach now where somebody's been to a gig we mentioned. So we'd love to hear from you. But um, when we break down this particular tour, again, I don't know many other bands have gone out and done things like this where they said, okay, well, we're just going to downscale. Uh, I know Rolling Stones did a smaller theatre venue thing for recording one of the blues albums back in the mid-2000s, but um, in terms of a band at the level, at sort of that sort of post-Wembley level, they go, okay, we just want to break it down a little bit. And, you know, again, in a way, it probably did hurt them commercially in time and it probably hurt them commercially thereafter when they sort of went on a break after the Full Moon stuff, et cetera, there. Um, but it was them that decided. And I think that that came across in Andrew's uh, interview with us. If you haven't heard that podcast, go back and have a listen. But um, it really was the band who thought, well, no, we we know commercially it's probably not a great move, but, but uh, artistically-wise, they wanted to play these new songs. They wanted to get reached with the audience. They wanted to, to go back to something a little bit more traditional. And how many times do you go on the road? Like sometimes when I, I see bands like ACDC and U2 and these ones go out, they just become these monolithic affairs. It's like 
It's like they have to hire out at even a bigger stage and bigger than last time. It almost becomes sort of like, well, how much is enough, you know? Mm. I actually found a nice little clip of um, Kirk mentioning it, actually, about the stadiums. Can I play that little bit for you now? Yeah, yeah, love to, love to, love to. The thing about arenas, uh, especially in America, is they're all incredibly the same. I think they're all designed by the same architect or something. And, you know, after a while you don't really know what town you're in or whatever, but at least with these every show is different, you know just been monotonous for them and this yeah. is why they wanted to get off this wheel yeah. and uh, get back into the dirty and sweaty clubs yeah and look anytime you exist did a world tour and i think gary sort of educated us on this when he was on our, our podcast back in january he said that often took the first you know you know three months or whatever there to make a return because you know they had to they're coming from australia and they had road crews from here and they didn't have just everything at the drop of their hat like the u2 guys did in europe where you could go out and just announce a gig and have this infrastructure and stuff like that that would be uh suddenly just you know applicable straight away um what you know europe's not their home base so it was a big exercise to sort of go on a tour and suddenly, you know, uh, commit to all those years away. And the, I think the band also too, you know, as I said, you know, getting back to recording and getting back to sort of the artistry side, REM did something similar at the same time where they'd come off the Out of Time album in 91 and they released Automatic for the People the same month as Welcome came out. Uh, and they chose not to tour it as well because that was a quieter sort of uh, quite a mandolin slash softer orchestral album they thought well you know we don't really want to tour and they didn't go on tour till the i think uh, the monster album about two more years later so th- their commercial sort of star didn't didn't sort of uh, wane from that you know automatic for the people really took them to the stratosphere but again as i said you know it's rare that bands don't tour and have a commercial sort of juggernaut over time you know welcome sold very respectable sales you know between three four five million around the world but it, it did sort of curb their commercial appeal in america suddenly when tasted you know as a video clip uh was banned normally you know these days banned is good back then band meant well if mtv i'm playing no one's going to see it and there was no internet people couldn't watch it now you know or watch it then if there was no no because there was no internet so back then you know, getting that video banned hurt them commercially. And then suddenly when the gift film crew came out and there was the scene where the mallet's punching the, the, the nail into the wrist, like the, the Jesus Christ sort of crucifixion, yeah. that sort of had a big sort of, uh, you know, um, black tape through it and things. And, you know, the record companies were going through, you know, some changes with the band and they weren't necessarily supportive, you know, for the band and uh, in terms of, uh, you know, promoting the hell out of things. And, Michael and Andrew were probably in Europe a little more at the time uh, in terms of where they were based. Uh, and it's probably why the album did very well there because England were always an album behind. And mm-hmm. uh, coming off Wembley, uh, you know, the welcome sort of went and did fantastic. Um, but, yeah, it was just an interesting sort of choice there that I think uh, at the time, you know, people questioned. But I think in hindsight, the band, you know, proud and going, okay, well, it, it is what it is. And, and, and it ended up being what it was. But as a young fan at the time, B, I, I couldn't be more thrilled for – uh, being having access to go and af- be affordably able to see them. Because yes, no, I'm very jealous, very, very jealous that I didn't do it <laughs> myself. And, 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 and look, for those who are real collectors, and we talk about probably the the, the collectors groups out there, but uh, posters were so cool. There was a really great poster mm. promoting, you know, Tim playing the guitar and um, it was a little... Wait, it's it, Kirk, I think. Uh, no, I think it's Tim. You reckon? You reckon I think uh, someone's... Someone ah, said it was Kirk. All right. Yeah, no, right. Well, we'll have yeah. to find that. Well, the and reason he looks why like so- the clouds. Yeah. His hair looks like the cloud. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think it was uh, definitely Timmy because also the T-shirts we got at the time and some of the signatures we got, I do remember Tim signing my T-shirt and stuff like that, you know, and he liked the pose that he had, you know, et cetera, there on the T-shirt. But, um, yeah, we look, it was great to be able to afford and have the money as a, as a struggling university student to afford to go to these gigs. Um, and you think about big bands and, I guess, trying to make themselves accessible to the people. I mean, these days we have to look at... Um, um, you know, some of the uh, fan sites who were trying to go to concerts, you know, in Live Nation, some of the distressed ticketing prices, thousands of dollars to go see Taylor Swift. I mean, you know, we must have gone to some of these gigs for $30 or $25 or something like that. They're very affordable. They weren't commercially motivated gigs. And, you know, we were so fortunate to even meet the band outside the gigs and the concerts. And it was this little community huddling around for a week of which MM was there and um, a couple of my friends there and a couple of sort of mutual friends there at the time. And it was a great little community of people sort of, you know, sharing the whole experience together. Everyone had different T-shirts on from different tours and different booklets. And, you know, it was a bit like who's the bigger fan versus each other, you know, who can trump (laughs) each other. Um, uh-huh. But it was fantastic. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, that particular time stood quite fondly. And, um, again, it was around that time when they also, you know, had released the audio-visual Full Moon Dirty Hearts uh, clips for all the uh, songs off the off the uh, the future album uh, that came out a few months later. Uh, and we'll talk about that on, on future episodes. But um, uh, an interesting, interesting time. Now, one thing, B... Um, we had lots of listeners that said on Twitter, remind of this of this 30 anniversary tour. Uh, there's anything that struck you with any of those tweets in the last week or any engaging you've done with some people about that this point in time or period of time? Well, I'll get to that in a minute, but I just want to come off the back of what you were talking about there. You, you missed my hand up, didn't you? Yeah. Eh? They had different support bands in every concert. Yes. There was over 50 um, artists at one point for every venue. It was, I think it was Kirk who was saying, in fact, I'd like to play it. 1,600 people were queuing outside the town and country club by five o'clock last night. Half of those there were waiting to see just one person, in excess lead singer Michael Hutchins. Oh, I think he's got what every man should have. He's just got a great body, great hairstyle. <laughs> so just the way he moves and his body and his, his hair and his legs and his look. <laughs> to wait though this was a big night for Leeds band the birthdays they were chosen out of thousands to back in excess by the band themselves we had to be pretty uh, ruthless because there were so many tapes there's like you know uh, 50 60 from each town uh, you know for, for each show and so yeah you know we had to sort of be ruthless and uh, and they just shone above the rest in Leeds Um, you know that thing where Tim Rogers from EMI posts that thing about Michael and about how the media, you know, are now championing, but back then they're giving him a hard time. Yes. Well, that was the first time I saw UMI. They were the they were the support band at the Palace. Oh. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I was I'm embarrassed as an NXS fan that night, and I'm embarrassed for the other NXS fans. We didn't give that band a chance. You oh. know, the drama we gave the drama heaps and whatever there, but. You know, we were really obnoxious and, uh, again, sorry, Tim. But they were one of those touring bands, um, the Killjoys, the Black Eyed Susans, 
Um, there were a whole bunch of other bands that that they did take on tour, and some of these bands kicked on to really great commercial success in the nineties. Well, I'd like to just play you this little clip from um, a band from England who were called The Birthday, and and it's a a young lady who was the um, lead singer there. So let's listen to her. Well, I received the letter and uh, I realised it was the the results. I opened it and I thought, it's a bit more than one piece of paper there. I thought, it can't be rejection, so I opened up and it's just a congratulations. You've got the NXS support and leads and I couldn't believe it. It's, we've worked so hard this last year, especially. It was just, it was just so nice to be people that like our music to choose us. Finally, the hundreds of fans at the Town and Country Club got what they were waiting for. That's cool, wasn't it? Okay, while that's been happening, I've um, found the post that we put out for the Get Out the House tour um, back on the 10th of April on our Facebook page and onto our other socials. But um, Facebook went off some of our top fans, actually, that we don't actually ever speak about. So we've got a lady called Philippa Carter, um, is our top fan on um, Facebook. She said, yes, front row in London, Astoria, when the following day at Nottingham Rock City, there was the thing you bought the ticket when the venue was announced. I live near Oxford, so London, so bad. Um, and of course, it was well worth it. Um, and Michael Tomley, um was at the second Frodo show standing with Denny Hines and Richard Wilkins. Now, mm. you know who Richard Wilkins is. He mm-hmm. was there when they got their MTV awards, didn't wasn't he, he? He famously interviewed Cindy Lauper and halfway through the interview picked her up and took her to bed. Wow, okay. True story. True story. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've heard a few um, interesting <laughs> sex stories about that man, actually. <laughs> yes. Anyway, Hello, um, ladies. Um, Karen Hall, she was at the Coogee Bay Hotel and was down near the front. Yes. The place was packed. Yes. I'd seen them many times at larger venues, but this was intimate. The gig was the best. Actually, I've also another piece that um, talk about Tim and girls' hands and how close they were. <laughs> On this tour, NXS have returned to the venues where their career began, playing their steamiest, sweatiest shows for years. And as guitarist Tim Farris told me, it's really brought the band closer together. That's great. You know, I can tell if Kurt's wearing deodorant. Um, and he's on the other side of the stage, you know. <laughs> it, it's really, it's, it's just as important for us to be standing like this with each other as it is sort of with the people, you know. I mean, you know, and, and having the people so close to us is has led to some very interesting moments on this tour. Are you going to tell? Oh, no, I couldn't really. Some of them are a bit much. But, you know, young girls with busy hands, and I play guitar, I'm saying like this, you know, it's like, what is that? My God, she torched me there. Sorry, you, you finish, you finish. I, I just had a memory, yeah. Um, Liverpool, Cy, Cy Harrison, um, Rob, she, he was in Fremantle, um, John A. Rink, friend of the show. Um, he was in Toronto, saw them in the arena. It was fantastic. Oh, gosh, it just goes on and on. If you want to read these, there are some really, really good ones. There's a guy called DM. Um, yep, saw them at uh, in Glasgow um, on tour. I had to queue at HMV or, or Virgin for a ticket for a day or two before the gig, a day or two. Yes. <laughs> Open with communication, closed with don't change, bit like like yours, the whole tour was played um, durably in small venues. Yeah, awesome. 
absolutely awesome. It's so good that lots of people went to them, even though they were small. Yes, yes. I had this uh, just memory there. The first gig I went to there at the Palace, uh, upstairs mm. they had a bit of a VIP area up there and they had half the cast of Neighbours up there were watching it. And, oh, really? uh, and as we came out of the concert and they were coming down out of the VIP area, we gave them heaps of shit. So because we're <laughs> obnoxious little 22-year-olds, you know. So there you go. Tell me where that place is. Was that knocked down? It was knocked place? down, yeah. So it was. Ah. it's next to the Palais. It's a car park now, but it was just yeah. a, a venue. Where did they knock it down? I think just to make a car park, I think, and maybe oh, and maybe because they couldn't afford to keep it going. But the, the, the Palais next to its heritage listed, and then you had the the Palace where the gig was on was um, um, dispensable, I guess. So, but yeah, so no, great great anecdotes there, and it's just I think it was fantastic to see an international big band that still had gravitas in a small venue at a price that was fair and close enough to really engage. And there was no phones and all that sort of stuff, so you were really in the moment. And you, you, as I said, you know. You know, I'm getting a fruit bowl from Michael and you know you were that close to the stage and you could see everything. It was such a such a great experience there, you know. Can I just also add you've got a friend called Jane Gazo, Greg Gazo? Uh yes. Yes. Yeah. And she is trying to help. Um, you know, you just said about the palais getting knocked down. They're trying to knock down That's the tote. Correct. Yeah. Well, what, can you tell me a little bit more about that? I know this well, hasn't got nothing to do with in excess, but I want to okay. know. Well, for those <laughs> listeners out there who love music, if you do know the uh, Aussie band Jet, uh, and you do know the, I do, you do know their, their hit, yes. hit song uh, "Cold Hard Bitch." Now, that's right. <laughs> that's filmed at the Tote. Uh, okay. And that was a worldwide hit for them. And the tote is one of those iconic inner Melbourne uh, hotels, uh, about five hundred metres from where I used to live. And it is probably one of those ones suffering from being able to afford to keep its doors open. So they're doing a, a big campaign to raise $6 million. I think they're up to nearly two. Oh. Um, and they're just sort of generating sort of, you know, enough money to, to, to be able to afford the licenses and things like that. So um, Jane was the person who uh, thankfully put the Ollie Olsen campaign together that raised a lot of money for his needs. So oh, same person girl, there. isn't she? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Go. And- Go Jane. Okay. Well, if you want to support Jane, then find her on Instagram. We'll put a link into the description here. And if you're from Melbourne or you want to support live music venues, then um, help her out. Absolutely. And the last thing just to round off our topic a little bit today is um, really just to sort of go back and look at that particular period there and, and walk over this very simple narrative, and that is that the band chose that size tour and chose to decompress this big juggernaut and getting on the conveyor belt. You know, how many times did they want to play Wembley? How many times did they want to tour America to 50,000 seat venues? They probably could have still done that even for this tour, but they decided to slow down a little bit. And again, you know, as I said, I think the legacy of this slowdown is we got welcome, we got full moon within such a quick period of each other. And that's 23, 24 fantastic songs that still stack up today. So sometimes when we think back to uh, artists who achieve great success, I look at the Beatles and go, wow, well, you know, look from six, when they stopped touring in 66, they came out, you know, in 67 with, you know, Sergeant Peppers, you know, um, they came out in 68 with the White Album, 69 with Bloody Abbey Road and, you know, Let It Be and 
Mm. You can even argue Revolver in 66 when they stopped touring. So, you know, we've got some really great songs and some great gems that are, that are you know, have grown over time and are still there. So, um, again, kudos in excess, 30th anniversary from the uh, fans of In Excess Access All Areas, ourselves, and the greater community. Thank you for bursting your own public. We just decided it can be done. You know, we can go from stadiums down to tiny places and, and it keeps and it keeps that whole pressure off of where do they go, what do they do, and, you know, it becomes more of a mystery. And, and it's I love it. I, I love being in, you know, a fa- fairly you know successful band and and playing this to a thousand people the academy in New York and that's it you know and then next I mean it took a long time to play all these places in the end mm. we worked harder than a normal tour but it was a good for you as a band to do do you think yeah well I think it was our make or break tour where for ourselves I mean we took away all the limos and the the giant light shows and blah blah you know and the crap, basically. We just knew that we would either be a band at the end of it, the first show, or the first week, or we wouldn't, you know. Simple as that. And we were, and we really enjoyed it. And actually, we were grinning and just, yeah. This is Mario from the UK, and here is the news. All right, Billy, we've got some news to go through. Uh, we want to say thank you to Norway. I'm not saying the band from AHA, but just Norway in general and the Norwegian people who've made our podcast a top 10 listen to podcast in the last fortnight. So thank you to everyone in Norway. I need to know how to say thank you now in Norwegian. Uh, we could say Norgen Vars. Uh, Norgan Vars? Okay, Norgan what does that mean? Vars? I don't know, ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. Also, too, gigs-wise, B, it is only a couple of weeks away from the NXS re-mentioned gig in Perth. I've got some exciting news to mention. Uh, the concert You've ticket- got me a ticket. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> ticket prices are between 89 and 149 Um, But there's a gentleman called Tyrone Noonan. Now, Tyrone is the brother and uh, one of the major players in the band in Australia called George. Uh, so George were quite a prominent band in Australia, won ARIA awards and things. He's actually going to be singing a lot of the Michael tunes uh, for this gig live. And he uh, is somebody who probably grew up with in excess in his veins, as he said. And there's going to be some other, I think, choir and support for him. So he'll be actually playing the vocal side of things at that gig if you're fortunate enough to go. Uh, never say never be. We may make it there. We may make it there. Who knows? It's not just the ticket, is it, for us? It's the airports and no, the... No, no. Oh, Being on tour. They, need, they yeah. need to... Yeah, and all the drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could email the uh, the uh, concert venue and say, all this plugging we're doing, we can get a freebie or something. Oh, yeah, okay. well, they need to tour it. Okay. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, ripping through some other gigs. The Don't Change Boys, 13th of uh, October at the Gov Hotel uh, in Adelaide, okay, proving a very happy hunting ground Adelaide for the Don't Change Boys. Mm. Uh, Inexcessive Boys, uh, the Victorian guys, that is, the Inexcessive version, are playing uh, on the 27th of October in Hobart at the Republic Bar. Uh, the Live Baby Live guys are playing uh, on the 10th of June at Moonshiners in Tamworth. Maybe Andrew could pop in and get up on stage. John Stevens and Andrew uh, Farris, I'll just put down here, are everywhere at the moment. They're playing gigs all over Australia, uh, one with Don McLean uh, and the other one with uh, Rod Stewart and Cindy Lillalpa finishing up his tour with her. Hello, Cindy. Uh, Cindy, two, two mentions today on the podcast. Mm-hmm. 
Also, too, B, there is a cool one over, well, I think it's been uh, Brisbane. Now, this could be something we go to. It's actually on my birthday this year. It's called Stuck at a Moment, the U2 and NXS Story. Now, it's on the 1st of September this year at the Princess Theatre in Brisbane. And I've put in brackets, let's go. <laughs> well, uh, we've got places we can stay in okay. Brisbane. Okay. Excellent. All right, let's yes. do that. Now, mm. importantly, over in Scotland, there's a massive need for an NXS uh, classic tribute band to make make their way be. Now, I do know that uh, in the town of uh, Glasgow, they are in urgent need for this NXS Scottish tribute band to uh, find a keyboard player. So anyone good on the keys, get online and you can find out and um, you know there'll be another uh, band worthy of uh, NXS tunes being bled out in Glasgow. Next one over here, there was a two hours of NXS love on the radio today. Now... Uh, Legends of the Airwaves, uh, I think it was on the 4th of April uh, this year on Mixcloud. Uh, there was two hours of NXS songs and sort of uh, reminiscing by one of the hosts there. So you can go and do search engines and plug that in and shut your eyes and enjoy the NXS love. Um, also, to be 35 years since the NXS uh, New Sensation song was released. Has had a little bit of uh, record uh, and acknowledgement. 26 years, I think, this week since uh, Elegantly Wasted, and that's created a lot of traffic uh, on our platforms. And also, there's been uh, a couple of great uh, articles. Uh, I saw one again from our friend of the podcast, Tim Peacock. He has done another revisit, not on Elegantly Wasted, but he's done one on The Swing. So, okay. uh, great article from Tim Peacock, great uh, friend of the show, and uh, we look forward to having him on soon. Great. I hope we can share that. And B, that's the news of the week. Excellent. You're listening to the number one in Nexus podcast. And now it's time for fan engagement. Well, hello. Welcome back to us, Danielle. It's been a while. Have we got a lot to talk about in our little episode of fan engagement? How have you been? I have been wonderful, beautiful B. I've missed you. So I'm excited to be back with fan engagement. I missed you too. I missed you too. You went through all the Facebook pages and um, found out our top fans. So who we got there? Give them a shout out. Give them a shout all out. All righty. All righty. Well, let's start with Anna Lee, Andy, Belinda, Suzanne, Charlene, Caroline, Sean, Jerry, Phil, Gabby, Fiona, Hildy, Philippa, Balishka, Diane and David. Oh, well, thank you guys. You're always so cool on our Facebook pages, on our post. You're always um, commenting and, and liking. So thank you guys really, really lots. And next week, shout out all our top fans from Instagram. Talking about Instagram, you just saw a few things on Instagram, didn't you, Danielle? What were they? We have talked about studio girl art before and about mm. 20 minutes ago, she just dropped a new picture of herself in John Ferris backstage. Oh, ladies, you need to check this photo out. Okay, that sounds great. And I want to give a big shout out to it's Michael Hutchins in excess page on Instagram. And oh my God, they are sending out a lot of photos at the moment with elegantly wasted. We've been adding them to our stories. So thank you guys, whoever's behind that page. Awesome research, really top people. Also, um, a big shout out to our very own Laurel Schneider. She is excellent at research and sends out a lot of um, posts onto the various platforms on Facebook. So well done there, Laurel. That's fantastic. Well, across my desk in the last couple of weeks, shout out a fan engagement of Liz, 
Ivan, Suzanne, Shanta Suds, Vernon, and Paul. What have they been saying to you then, Danielle? Well, well, Vernon has been uh, messaging me and he is loving the podcast. So thank you so much, Vernon. And Paul has uh, messaged us about a clever idea of uh, someone interviewing the guys documentary style and maybe telling their stories. And I was like, well, that would be interesting if we could get uh, Richard Lowenstein to direct it too. So Mm. yeah, that was a great idea, Paul. I like that idea. Awesome. Awesome. I I put um, a post out earlier and it went on to my own personal page. So I will mention this to you because um, some of you might not see it. I've got a message here from Adam Hendry. Hello, Adam. You're pretty cool. Um, he says, I was lucky enough to see them on this tour. First time I have ever got into a pub. He was 15 and underage, naughty, naughty. And mind blowing, he said, I actually caught a bottle from Hutch as he threw it into the crowd and I still have it today how cool is that that's awesome and then we've got luke troy hello luke you're pretty cool too and um, he went to the horden pavilion and um, saw michael on crutches he said he went backstage with him his brother and our girlfriends in the corner of the pub at south Dowling and Oxford in Sydney and Michael gave his jumper away to a random girl well random girl if you're listening let us know if you still got the jumper yes please show pictures (laughs) we would love it (laughs) and this isn't fun engagement but it's brought a lot of fans together but Blair of Don't Change sent a beautiful video onto all the platforms of him singing stuck in a moment in his own natural voice. How beautiful was that? I'd love to play it for you, Danielle. May I? Yes, ma'am, you may. I'm not afraid of anything in this world. There's nothing you can throw at me that I haven't already hearing the vocals you've got to see the video with this it is yes. gorgeous the visuals of um blair on stage with michael's visuals behind 
it's just so well put together. It's so respectful, so beautiful and honest. And uh, I mean, his vocals are absolutely crazily beautiful anyway. um, Yeah, I sent it to Tim and Kirk and they both said, what an amazing voice. So it's so good to know that they've got his support too on this. So well done, Blair. Hoping to see Blair on the 6th of May in Toronto, which is an outside gig. I've asked if I can sleep at the bottom of Blair's bed, but I'm not sure if he said yes or no to that one. But otherwise, I am definitely going to be there. Well, <laughs> I'm sure that invite uh, will uh, will stand when you get there, B. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is not a fan engagement, but can I just say NXS may have just made it to the big time. I was listening to a promo for the new Keeping Up with the Kardashians on Hulu and what song was playing at the very end of the promo. None other than Never Tear Us Apart. Wow. Well, that'll be that'll be good, won't it? So you reckon that's going to come out on, on the actual um, show as well? I hope so. I hope so. Because yeah. the more people that uh, know about NXS, the better. So that's thank right. you, Kardashians. Thank you, Kardashians. Not that I watch it, but I might be watching that one. <laughs> guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. I don't know who it was, but there was a lovely lady. Actually, no, I do know the name. It was Michelle Stevens posted in Hutch Nation that um, if you can go to the department store at Big W in Australia, they've actually got some in excess kick kids t-shirts at the moment at a size three to seven so if you want to get them for the grandkids or the kids or if you've got um, a very small um, <laughs> teenager I think they might fit there they're pretty cool they're gray with the NXS logo on so yeah one for the collection then yep we got some t-shirt collectors out there that's for sure Greetings and salutations. This is the Accelerated Culture Podcast, the rise of alternative music in the 80s and beyond. In this podcast, we aim to walk through an often ignored bit of music history. My co-host Trey and I will explore how new waves stormed the airwaves in the early 80s and gave way to the rise of alternative music. And that was our very own Laurie, who actually also hosts her own show, which is Accelerated Culture, which is all about 80s music. Is that right? Yes, it is amazing. She's with her co-host, Trey. If you are into your early 80s, she kind of does a timeline. And I know she just did one on the Michael Hutchins. Excellent. And I think she gave us a shout out. So we're giving you a shout out to Laurie. Thank you very much. And if you were lucky enough, you had an email from Neil Corsa about the um, In Excess's new book, which is Calling All Nations. And you got your um, story submitted. So congratulations to everybody. If not, maybe it might be coming soon. You never know. Um, But congratulations to all of those that are coming in. And Neil has actually been in touch and he wants to come on the show. 
So uh, it'd be nice if me and you could talk to him, wouldn't it? Oh, I would love that. Yes, yeah. thank you. Seems a very interesting guy. He's a musician himself. So yeah, I think he'll have some great stories to share with us. And also, obviously, some of the stories that he might have heard of about In Excess as well. Can't wait to read this book. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Danielle, for um, coming on and talking to about all the different fans out there. We love you. Send us your messages. Um, you can get in touch with us on all the different platforms. We loved hearing from you all. So thank you. And thank you, Danielle. Thank you, B. Have a great week and I'll see you next time. Hey, this is Paul Jolly from Sydney and this is The Big Rat. All right, thanks, girls, for that. Uh, always fun checking with uh, DKR from uh, Pensacola, Florida. Okay. Uh, B, now we mentioned at the start of the show, we have a signed signature thing with the word welcome. Now, you can show it up to me, but uh, we are auctioning off a, a brand-new, yet-to-be-opened CD, uh, and it's got in beautiful gold writing uh, Mark Opitz's uh, signature, and it's got Andrew Farris's signature, and it's got a nice little message on there. And we're going to auction this one off, and it's actually even signed on the CD component too, uh, which is awesome. And we're going to auction this off. And as I speak, B is pointing at Michael's butt. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, B, that's rather rude. <laughs> but uh, we're going to auction that off. And, again, if you are a collector and you'd like to have signed stuff official from band members on brand-new, never-be-played CDs and material, this is not to be missed. Uh, so we will announce the launch of this probably in seven days' time when the auction starts, probably around the last week of April. And uh, we will let you know on our platforms. And I would say get in early with the bid because you don't want to miss out. B, speaking of people not missing out, our patrons are a great lifeblood of the show. Our friend Nick Egan likes to talk about our patrons. We might handball to Nick at the moment and welcome them all aboard and then uh, go from there. This is Nick Egan, better known by you fans as the designer of the Kick, X and Low Baby Live covers, as well as director of the Searching and Don't Lose Your Head videos. Just under two years ago, I was on vacation driving up the central coast of California with my family and I was looking for something to listen to and I came across a podcast which immediately aroused my attention. It had a quirky but professional style to it. It was conversational, there was a lot of humour. I was immediately taken by it and reached out to both Hayden and B and offered myself as an interviewee, of which I did, where I talked about the kit cover primarily. And since then, I've appeared on the show on a couple of occasions or a few occasions. And um, I've seen it go from being a relatively localised but popular uh, podcast to becoming a global podcast. So I also wanted to say to you fans out there, if you're not patrons already, please, please sign up, become patrons, because both B and Hayden and do this as volunteers they both have jobs as well as this they put a lot of dedication into this podcast a lot of love and a lot of time and effort and even if you can't afford to become a patron try and contribute in some way because we need podcasts like this we need podcasts that come from the fans that are true to the fans and we don't want to sit here corporate band podcasts we want to hear real podcasts from real people anyway congratulations Hayden and B. I'll say hello to everybody outside, it's about 10,000 people at least. I 
Tim Ferriss, Nick Eager, Mark Opitz, Richard Simpkins, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, Darren Jones, and Paul Jolie. Our patrons, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Markram, Sarah Camia, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Anne-Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, happy birthday, Mandy, Lisa, Yvonne, Amanda H, Amanda V, David, safe journey to you and Michaela back home, Tracy, Paul, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Laos, Heidi, Paula, Lisa Urban, Angie, Nancy, Juliet, Scott, Anthea, Maria, Tracy, Vernon, Jamie, Diana, Stefan, Andrew, Georgie, Stephen, Keisha, Mark, Vern, Shane, Lachlan, Mandy, Rachel, Nick, Nick, happy birthday, Sula, Amy, Diane and Paula. And our special mentions go out to Sue D, Joe Robbins, John A. Bink, Michael Spriggs, Glenn Davis, Paul Boozy and Jay Finlinson. Big belated happy birthday to our beautiful Joe Robbins. Have a good day, everybody. something today in line with a bit of our theme and that is 30 years ago a live recording that was done and uh, opening up a gig and a concert with the song uh, Communication B was a, a joy and a joy and a joy. We're going to play this live version of Communication. Won't possibly be the one that was at the venue we were at but it uh, uh, is pretty symptomatic of the one that we enjoyed at the time and fantastic song uh, and a classic deep cut song never a single uh, but a bit of a fan favourite and uh, that's what NXS did so fantastically well over the years. And that was Communicate. So kudos to you. It's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody.
just a stone's throw away. Assemble the bourgeoisie, laid back living, and creativity go hand in hand. And you've been listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and Bean.